I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-Minute Parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-Minute Parenting Podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. Now that our children are getting back to school, which is great, we're all delighted after that lockdown period, but now that they are getting back to school, you know, we might be seeing some a return of old behaviours, we might be seeing some new behaviours, or maybe your child has just made a big transition. I think basically any child going back to school has made a significant transition this year. But if your child has been transitioning from primary into secondary school, you might see some new behaviour patterns emerging that you hadn't noticed before. Maybe even it's coming towards the end of primary school. And that's what a parent made contact with me about. I got a message actually on social media asking me about what to do you know what will I do with this and I think in that question of what to do is that worry that kind of oh my goodness I wasn't ready for this I didn't see it coming this was a parent who was telling me that her 11 year old daughter who's just moved from you know fifth class into sixth class that final year of primary school you know that she's now insisting that she be dropped off on the corner of the road to school, doesn't want to be dropped off at the gate, is becoming really self-aware of being seen, the mortification of being seen with her parents or parent, just wants, just leave me here, I can do it from here, you know, I'm going to meet a friend, we're going to walk in together. And all of a sudden this parent was like, oh, I don't know, like, is, is this okay? Should I do this? Is she ready for this? Behind that is the bigger question of, am I ready for this? And I think, you know, as parents, we all experience that conflict between wanting our children to be more independent. You know, come on, you can do this for yourself. I really want you to do this for yourself. And when they're little and th- that weight, that constancy of demand that we can feel as parents from sm- of small children, you know, they need us for everything. We can often long for the days when, oh, when they're older and they can do this for themselves. I can't wait for that. And then it comes and we have this conflict between, yes, wanting it for our children, wanting them to be more independent, but also and simultaneously being terrified at the first sight of independence. What does this mean? Am I surplus to requirement? Are they moving away from me? Um, Do they not need me anymore? Oh my goodness, have I prepped them enough? Have I done enough? Are they ready? Am I ready? It keeps coming back to this. And I think that those are really relatable understandable questions. I think actually at some point of parenting, we may all have experienced this and I think we'll experience it many times, but we have to find a way to strike a balance between giving our children the opportunity to assert themselves so that they can grow into more independent beings while maintaining parental control. That word is, you know, quite triggering, I think, control. But what I mean by that is Parental control is parental boundaries, it's limit setting, it's that structure and security that we convey to our children in how we parent them with limits. And how do we get that balance all at the same time? Because trying to find the balance between allowing our children to do things for themselves while providing the necessary support and guidance to ensure that they can make good and safe choices 
is much easier to say than do. How do you know when you're getting it right? And, you know, am I being too tough? Am I being too lenient? What's the, what is balance? There is no easy answer to that because no two children are the same. No two families are the same. No two parents are the same. Even within your home, you might find that one of you is much more comfortable with letting them do things themselves and the other one is bordering on that helicopter hovering place of I need to check, I need to check, I need to check all the time. You know, when your child is starting to pull away from you and they're seeking or in some cases demanding like this little girl, just leave me here. I want to do it myself and walk into school with my friends. You know, when they're demanding that independence, it's actually the ideal time to teach them about responsibility because independence is very attractive to many children. Responsibility, not so much. And yet independence and responsibility go hand in hand. You actually can't have one without the other because the more responsible that your children can show you that they've become, then the easier it is for you to relax and to support and even embrace and nurture their independence and their drive for independence. Do you know, it starts way back at two years old. I mean, is there anybody more independence seeking than a two year old? And the frustration, of course, for a two year old is they want to do it. You know, they love that phrase. I do myself. I do myself. You know, they get to me, mine, you know, I, I, I very quickly. But also the frustration for them is while they want that physically, emotionally, at all levels, they still are very dependent. So they get this internal push pull that can lead to frustration. We commonly call it the terrible twos. But it's really about saying, I want. And we say, no, you know, you can't have that now because we're doing something else. We'll have it later. We meet their demand and we respond with an appropriate boundary and limit. We are already laying the groundwork for independence at that stage. So, you know, give yourself a clap on the back. You've done some of this and you can still do more. Independence then is that process that's starting when they're young, but it's continuing into middle childhood, into, you know, early to mid, even late adolescence. And you know what? Right up into young adulthood and beyond, you are constantly giving them a little more rope, a little more rope, a little more rope until you can let them go into adulthood and you gradually increase their opportunity to practice and, you know, embrace independence. So you have to create as many, okay, let's say safe and controlled, but create as many opportunities for your child to develop their sense of and drive for independence as you can from that very young age of two, three, four upwards. And then you're going to grow that up as they grow up. So you're not suddenly faced with an 11 year old who says, by the way, I want to walk to school from the corner on my own. And you have never let them do anything on their own before, because that's going to push you over the edge. That's too big a leap, maybe not for the 11 year old, but certainly for you. You're going to start it young and grow it up with them. If you are listening and going, no, that's just setting off my own uh oh feeling, as I call it. If you're listening, going, Joanna, I'm having an uh oh feeling thinking about letting my child be more independent. You need to maybe just take a moment and reflect on your reluctance to give more independence. What is that about? Where is that coming from? Is it truly about your child's capacity or capability? Or how much of it might be about your own anxiety? And where, if you think, look, it is me, I think I'm really cautious, I'm really hesitant in this way. 
why might that be? Maybe you've really good reason. Maybe you know your child and you're saying, absolutely not. If I leave them at the corner at 11 years old, they're not going to get to school. They're going to find something that distracts them. They they may not cross the road safely. They're going to dilly dally. They're going to, you know, go to the shop instead. I know my child. I know this won't work. Do you know what? Trust your parental instinct is always the bottom line. But be honest with yourself. When you're trusting your instinct, be honest. Is your instinct grounded in evidence about your child? If they were, you know, if this was something you couldn't possibly have entrusted them with at eight or nine years old, that doesn't mean it's the same now that they're 11. Have you reflected on the two years in between? Have you, you know, observed evidence that they're growing up a bit, that they have shown you that they can be independent. Is it time to give them another chance and something safe? For example, if you're dropping, go back to that example of the corner of the road, you know, on the way to school. If school is on the same side of the road, they don't have to cross and it's a three minute walk surrounded by other kids and even parents walking their kids to school. Maybe that is safe and maybe that's a good way to start practicing independence before they start asking you if they can walk to the shop on their own or if they can go and do something else on their own. And in a couple of short years say, what do you mean you want to be in the house when my friends are coming over? We want the place to ourselves. You know, you gradually ease yourself into these things and review as you go. Is your child ready for this? Are you ready for this? I think as parents, we often make the mistake of doing things for our children that we know that they can do for themselves. Again, that starts at a very, very young age. And it's it's something that can continue. We can almost, I suppose the best phrase to and way to describe it is to say we can overparent our children. And if we're doing that habitually, if we're constantly saying, and look, sometimes I get it, you know, just to clarify, I think we're doing things for our kids. Sometimes we know they can put their shoes on, but we also know it takes three times the, time, the length of time as it would take us to do it. And we're under pressure. We need to get out of the house at a certain time. And you get to that point of, oh, it's just easier and quicker if I do it, I'll do it. Okay, I get that. I really do. And sometimes, you know, it'll be really important that you say, okay, today I'm going to do it, but I know you can do it. It's just today I'm going to do it. But if that becomes something that's more of a habit, if habitually we are doing things for our kids that they can quite easily do for themselves and they can quite you know, easily master themselves. It can result in a situation of learned helplessness, you know, whereby your child, you know, won't even try to do things for themselves, which of course in itself will have a knock-on effect on their self-esteem, their general social skills. And, you know, kids can be really good at those delay tactics. I can't do it. Oh, will you do it for me? Or maybe they're distracted with what they're playing. And instead of doing the things that we've asked them to do, they say, yeah, in a minute, yeah, in a minute. Yeah, in a minute, no better than a teenager for that kind of, you know, passive conflict of I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And they don't do it. And you snap and do it for them because it's easier. And they just shrug and say, well, I told you I do it. I don't know why you were doing it for me. But learned helplessness, if that does click in. And I see a lot of kids, you know, who are coming in with an expectation that adults and particularly their parents will do things for them that really physically, emotionally, developmentally, they're quite capable of doing themselves. It has that knock-on effect of self-esteem and social skills that then creates other problems down the road. So there are a couple of ways that you can parent around this and practice independence. And I like you to start this as young as possible. But if you're listening and this hasn't been something you're doing, please don't think it's too late. It is never too late. 
chores are a great way for children to begin to experience independence. It's also an opportunity for us to praise their behavior on a daily basis, you know, to praise them for doing things. And I would say that chores are something that you can start assigning from as young as two to three years old, to be honest with you, you know, unless you've other developmental considerations with your child, between two and three years old, they're well able to carry their own nappies, you know, to the bin if you use disposable nappies or, you know, to throw out tissues, things like that for you or to carry, you know, you hand them their little laundry, they can put it in the basket, they can pick up their own toys and put them into a toy box. They can do that. Again, it's often easier and quicker if we do it, but they can do it and they should certainly be encouraged to do that. You know, moving on then to a little bit older, you know, four or five years old, they can put away toys, of course, but they can also help to tidy a bedroom. They could even, you know, if you give them a wipe or a wet cloth, they could wipe down the outside of a bin. They could, you know, put the cutlery into the cutlery drawer for you, you know, the knives here, the forks here, the spoons here, um, put their pajamas under their pillow, even straighten their duvet. They're well capable of these things and you keep going as they get older, you know, maybe even up to that eight, nine plus age group, you know, they're well able to set and clear the table after meals, you know, to wash dishes, to carry a bin out for bin collection day. They can be actively involved in taking care of family pets, you know, feed them, things like that. Take them for a walk with you, use the lead, take them out to do their toileting and back in, make their bed and even do a little bit of, I don't know, like light hoovering or something around the house. That would be fine as well. But I just think chores are an excellent opportunity for children to show us that they are capable of doing things quite separately from us. It's also you know, allowing them to experience independence with responsibility, the responsibility of having a chore and carrying it out. And these are the kinds of things, you know, that I don't encourage you to pay your children for or to tie pocket money to. I think that actually part of being in a family is everybody helps out. There might be additional chores to their standard ones that you, you know, offer them that they can do and you could pay them for them because actually pocket money is another great way to practice independence and it's something that you can grow up with them along with the chores. Just be clear when you give them pocket money what you expect them to cover with it. You know, when they're young, you might give them a small amount. Have you a family policy that whatever you give them, 10% goes into the piggy bank, you know, that they save it and that's just a practice that you grow up with. Are they responsible for, you know, buying themselves treats, saving up for something so that they understand when you want something, you have to work towards it? Or is their pocket money something just for them to buy, you know, sweets or chocolate or whatever it is they want to spend it on with no rules? Be very clear about that. And the amount you give should, you know, tally with what you expect it to do. That's particularly important as they get older into that 11, 12 and into teenage years. If you're giving them money and you expect it to cover things like phone credit or personal items or, you know, um, buying themselves, you know, personal hygiene products, things like that, or, you know, saving to buy if they have a friend's birthday coming up that they're going to contribute to the birthday gift, you know, that the amount you give them should tally with that. But I do think it's a good rule of thumb to encourage saving because all of that, again, is nurturing that independence. So instead of hearing, you know, I want to do this and this time I'll do it without you, I want to do it myself, instead of letting it send a chill down your spine, let that be a thrill of excitement and opportunity instead and say, okay, I hear that you want to do things for yourself. I think that's 
a step too far to start with but I do hear that you want to be more independent and I'm committed to giving you opportunities for that and then find something you are comfortable with that could get them going find something they can do themselves and say you can do this let them show you they're responsible increase the independence they show you they're responsible again and then maybe you escalate to the first thing that they asked for Trust your parental instincts, but be really honest with yourselves. And at the end of the day, isn't raising independent adults the end goal of all of our parenting journey? So it's a good sign. It really is. Even if it doesn't feel it, it's a good sign. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-minute parenting.